Good morning, everybody. As Roshi said, in the spring somewhere, whatever time it is, here we are together, even though physically we are far apart. It's quite something. The time of this, in this moment, is of course always different. But right now we experience it as even more different so because we had gotten used to a specific way of life. We had gotten used to a specific way of seeing things and not seeing things at the same time. To me, this at this moment, from the point of the world and from the point of society is a global wake-up call. A global wake-up call that, of course, for people like us who are in this kind of practice, who have already been working on awakening. At Mount Baldy Zen Center, where I trained, in the morning, wake up usually was at three o'clock in the morning, and you had during session 10 minutes of time to appear on the cushion in the Zendo. That's very, very short time. And for some people, it was not even enough time to wake up. And they would sit in the Zendo and sleep. And so it became the job of the Jigiritsu, which I often performed there, to get up, to carry the stick, and then quietly stand in the corner and conjure up the energy, rise the spirit to go against one's innermost feelings in such a peaceful setting, to scream at the top of one's lungs, wake up, and everybody on the town. It was like the wind blew into a field of ripe grain. But within 60 seconds, the movement dissipated and everything went back to the same way it was before. In this time, we cannot let that happen. We cannot let that happen as Zen practitioners with our practice as well. Even though the Zendo continued to sleep and from the point of view of an effective Jigijitsu, I had failed, it was an enormously deep lesson for me. What it takes to do it and what different ways there are to awaken more than one person. And in the end, of course, we all know that is one of the biggest challenges we face now. So let's look at this time as a time of opportunity, as a time of yet a different formulation of our life koan that we all carry with us. Going back to the essence of our practice, to the essence of the teachings, to the essence of this vehicle that we call Zen practice, is really 
important at this time. And most of all is to also remember that the vehicle itself, the vehicle itself is just the means of transport for a movement, for a transformation that goes beyond the shape of the vehicle. So what is the essence of Zen practice? I'm sitting here in front of an image from Nanzenji in Kyoto. And I fondly remember the time when Roshi and Shuko-san and Connor and Kai were invited to visit Noritake Roshi at Leonin in the Myoshinji complex. And Noritake Roshi always said and stressed to us here in the United States that Zen practice, the teaching of Zen, is the practice of Muga. It is the practice of no self, anatta. Anatta is one of the basic properties of every existence. No self, no fixation, no shwabhava, that is the term for an inherently fixated kind of entity. We all read the Diamond Sutra together on many occasions. And there we hear it so often about individuality, ego entity, none of that. And what we hear from that at the same time is that that path of Muga, the path of no self, of course, is the path of the Bodhisattva. The Bodhisattva path and the path of the Buddha are one and the same. The Chinese characters transported to Japan are pronounced Jihi, the activity of Jihi. It can be translated as love, but there are two aspects of this love, the Ji type of love and the He type of love. Karuna and Maitri are the words in Sanskrit. The Karuna type of love is the love that is playing out in the field of separation, where there's an I and a thou, where there's subject and object, where there is a lover and a beloved, where we sit as human beings here and receive the love, where we as human beings here sit and give the love. So wonderful G love. And then, of course, Maitri is a love that is without self, without other. It is the love that encompasses everything and includes everything. All aspects disappear. There is no aspect to it because an aspect, think of the word, at spetsere, to have a standpoint from which you look. There is no standpoint. It is just the movement of that great love. We as bodhisattvas are called to do both. We have to do both here in the human phenomenal world as well as in the world where there is no self and other. One of the biggest challenges for many of us is to be in some kind of confinement 
we were used to go out to do and enjoy what we usually call freedom. The freedom to move, the freedom to buy as much toilet paper as we want, but there aren't any now. All of that. But now it is not there. It was taken from us. Or so we think. Staying apart from each other, we all know, has tremendously contributed to this virus not spreading. So it is an act of selflessness. And the situation of being confined to our homes, to whoever is in the house we live at the time this decree came down, is just another metaphor or another expression of the underlying human condition in which we find ourselves. A few weeks ago, we had Buddha's birthday. We saw the little baby Buddha pointing to the heavens and to the earth and proclaiming below the heavens and above the earth, I alone am the one to be revered. And we are all born like the Buddha into that which over times might develop into a solitary confinement. Let's take the opportunity in this time to look what it is that this solitary confinement to our own self means. You are all, we are all, the whole world is participating in a session. Clearing the heart mind, becoming clear of what it is that underlies that I am self, that underlies and creates our awareness, our awareness not only of beauty, not only of comfort, but also the awareness of suffering, the awareness of our own potential demise, fear, anxiety, all of that comes from those realizations. We might experience it as unsettling, of course, as long as we are fixated and rely on the old stale thing that we know, that old stale thing will be scared. So when you live with somebody, maybe even now and in the morning, you walk into their bedroom where they had been sleeping with the windows closed, you might get the whiff of, ooh, whoa, this is the stale smell of used air, of air that has been going in and out of lungs for a long time. But the person in the room really is not aware of that. They wake up and only when they open the window and the fresh air comes in. <sighs> Isn't that wonderful? So realizing that is really important and taking our time to realize that within the constraints of our physical ability to move, within the constraints of 
not being able to fulfill the wishes that we hold so dearly. But using the time to develop the practice of no self, of Muga. So going back to the Jihi love, the Ji love where there is somebody giving and somebody receiving. The manifestation of that love in our society, in the very little society that we have at home, which might be just ourselves, where we negotiate with the various characters and beings within our own self-entity that we have to find, it is important to see how that relationship plays out. We have to learn to be of service. Service means surrender of the self and the other. The true service of the Bodhisattva goes beyond that. I help you or you help me. It's dynamic. It's dynamic. And we learn through that, that the giving and the receiving ultimately are the same dynamic. It's the opportunity to look impermanence into the eye. Anicca, or we call it the activity of Dharma, the activity of nature. The Soto Zen master and priest Ryokan expressed it in a poem like this. If there is beauty, there must be ugliness. If there is right, there must be wrong. Wisdom and ignorance are complementary. And illusion and enlightenment cannot be separated. This is an old truth. Don't think it was discovered recently. I want this. I want that is nothing but foolishness. I'll tell you a secret. All things are impermanent. Suffering on a personal level, on the self level, we all experience that. We all experience that when we learn of loved ones being affected by this situation we find ourselves in. If we lose somebody who we are close to, closeness of the reality of impermanence knocking on our door awakens up to the fact Yes, it is not just now like this. It is always like this. We live in a burning house, as it is said in the Lotus Sutra. We fall through the air without any place to hold on to. And if we struggle in the phenomenal world, our self, as long as we are separate, we will struggle and we will suffer. 
And of course, the question, why is this happening? Goes through our mind. And it is an important question because in the world of phenomena, in the world of society, in the world of politics, in the world of being a citizen of the world, we have to become really clear about what it is that is the root of that. And as Buddhist practitioners of Linzai Zen, we all know, we all have to know for ourselves that the roots of all of these things that happen through human shortcomings, that happen through callousness, that happen through greed, anger, and delusion. All the things go back to the same roots. And while we are sitting here confined physically, we cannot go out. Some do. They grab their guns and go into establishments of political discourse to take over and to intimidate. We don't do that. We can't do that because that itself is yet again, greed, anger, and delusion manifest. But we have the time to sit down here on these buttocks in whatever position we can take and look deeply into those roots and to see how they also color everything we see. Unaware of tens of thousands of human beings starving every day in the world, we are awoken to this in the moment it knocks on our door. For me, though, there's big comfort in the teaching of the Buddha. The teaching of the Buddha that says that all of this activity, the activity of Dharma, impermanence, if you like to call it, works without will and desire. Nature, mother nature, works without will and desire. The ocean doesn't fight the land. The land doesn't fight the ocean. Only if you build your house at the very brink of the ocean, it becomes a problem. And so it is with many, many things that we experience as not good. We have to go beyond that. No parties, no dualistic, leaving out, picking this group to include, having compassion for that person, but developing the big heart of he, love, from Jihi, not just receiving and giving back, if we deem the return of that love to be worthwhile, but going beyond that and being able to receive, give, be, love and be that all embracing Kanon Bodhisattva. It's a tall order, yet 
the most fertile ground for this is to do it ourselves because that's the only place we can most definitely make a change from delusion to awakeness. Here's another poem by Leo Khan. If you speak delusions, everything becomes delusion. If you speak the truth, everything becomes the truth. Outside the truth, there is no delusion. But outside delusion, there is no special truth. Followers of the Buddha's way. Why do you seek the truth so earnestly in distant places? Look for delusion and truth in the bottom of your own hearts. Let's remain dynamic. Let's give our love freely. Let's see through this challenge as an opportunity. We all know from our sitting practice, from session, that discomfort is an indicator of imminent change. And the more we press against that change and not let it happen, the more suffering we experience, the more suffering society experience, because many of the troubles we go through is just because we don't want to give up. Our highest ideal in society seems to be a three-letter word, and it is not G-O-D, no, it is G-D-P. Money, mammon, the economy is worth more than human lives. Even a person saying that is deserving of our he love. And that is the only way to transform such a person into being able to practice themselves the G-love of Karuna, of finally being able to give and finally being able to receive. So let's not be too beaten down. Again, in session, we all know there are days we think, or hours, or sits, we think we will not emerge from alive. And we suffer tremendously. But the suffering itself is the awareness of the friction of that which has begun to move. If it wouldn't move, we wouldn't feel it. So there is always a dynamic element in everything we do. And 
let's keep the dynamic element from our hearts be in a way that we acknowledge that what is in the phenomenal world helping others that is affirming of a stance that is beyond just myself that is beyond just the interests of a specific group but that is beyond that dualistic kind of identification and we can do it every day every day even if we are alone aspects must disappear no point where there is any stake in the ground that ties us not to be able to act to act in the way that the moment is asking us to act and if we are not stuck it becomes a wonderful ride a ride that really goes through all the shades of colors sometimes very dark but authentic sometimes very bright equally authentic and sometimes completely in the fog but even that authentically so just as i was sitting here i remembered that yesterday uh one of the students who had studied with me when i was teaching uh singers how to sing turned into an episcopal minister and it was her birthday yesterday and i started writing her a birthday wish which just before this meeting today turned into a very short poem which i will read before i end my talk i will end it with the poem we sing the song of life as long as we have breath at times of joy and light at times of grief and loss but not to sing alone beyond the i me mine gives comfort courage hope and lets the human shine